This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. My there with their great track, Billy. It is all 12 after 4. You're on In Your Face on 3CR with James. Well, the undetectable equals untransmittable campaign uses YouTube and social media to convey that sex with a person who has an undetectable HIV viral load has zero risk of HIV transmission. In a moment, we'll talk with Davey Thompson, who features in a YouTube video for the campaign. But first, here's the audio from that video. Because straight up, I'm going to be fully transparent, and we're rolling too. The only reason why I'm worried is because I want kids, really. That's the only reason why I'm worried about HIV. It's not that thing to worry about now. I'm Davey, and I am a Vidra, Energy, Waka Waka, and Gubby Gubby man, and I'm HIV negative. I grew up in rural Queensland. It was quite a homophobic environment to grow up in, and AIDS was treated hand in hand with homosexuality, essentially. We're like 20 years behind. I don't worry about catching HIV like I used to. U equals U means undetectable equals untransmittable. That means if someone were HIV positive with an undetectable viral load, that there is zero risk of them passing it on to a partner. Great sex is when you both come at the same time, just being with each other. U equals U means being there in the moment and really not having to worry about anything else. It's about living life the way that it's intended to be. 
and Davy Thompson joins us in the studio. Oh, welcome to 3CR. It's awesome having you here. Thank you so much for having me. How did you get involved in this really, really important campaign? So it was rolled out by Dynamics International and the Institute of Many. And Nick Hollis, who works with Institute of Many, I sort of met him around the traps. I've been following his work for a little bit, but I actually met him in person last year when we were working on the same festival together. And I had like a bit of a queen out moment with him and told him how deadly I think he is. And and we've sort of been keeping in contact ever since. And he contacted me about the about the campaign and he told me that he thinks I'd be great and would I want to come on board? I'm like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because you're from an Indigenous background, that's an incredibly important community to convey the message about HIV transmission, what's safe, what's not, and also to reduce stigma. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's, you know, we're always talking about closing the gap and we always have a bit of a divide in health messages, really. Even if you go through Aboriginal health services, you'll notice that we have very different ways of marketing sexual health and any sort of health campaigns, like it's directly to mobs. So I was really proud to jump on this because it's a message for everybody. And so by adding that extra layer of diversity, hopefully my sexy black face will help get that message into my community. And your sexy voice as well. <laughs> so look... To what extent, David, is the underlying message of the campaign that regular HIV testing and then if the result is positive, going on treatments is a key way to combat the spread of HIV? Absolutely. It's all about regular medication. It's it's sticking to everything that your doctor tells you. It's about taking your medications daily, um, which is which is PrEP, I believe, is what they're mostly pushing to uh, um, eradicate this. But uh, from what I've heard, uh, according to the American doctors, if after six months of being completely undetectable with your viral load, then it's it's all good for you. Because this really is an international campaign, isn't it? It's not just confined to Australia. Tell us about, about, about really, like, you know, the people behind it. Yeah, it's bringing everybody to the table as, as much as we can. It... Uh, there was this gorgeous man, Bruce, who we had this great interview on ABC recently. He's sort of really, really leading the charge in all of it. He was doing, uh, he's been doing a lot of work in the HIV sector for a while. And I guess the information about U equals U has been there for a while, but it hasn't really been celebrated. And and so that was it. He was like, okay, why aren't we really, really pushing this out there? So. Mm. And why was that? Was it that the medical profession was a bit apprehensive? I think uh, the words that they use is that there's, um, in science, there's there's never a zero risk to anything. And so, undetectable doesn't mean the viral load's not there. It just means they it. can't detect it with regular testing equipment, if you like. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. So... Um, Listening to his uh, talk the other night was really, really great for me because this whole experience for me is completely educational. It's my first time working within the HIV sector. So big shout out to all of those fantastic campaigners who've been doing it for years and years and years. You beautiful people. Um, but for me, yeah, all of this is brand new information and because there is that divide between the HIV community and those of us who aren't involved in that side. Um, so, yeah, just it was all about listening and really learning all of that. So seeing these really top-tier scientists who work within the health sector globally saying and endorsing this content and this message, that's what really made it super comfortable for me. Every time I hear that new little bit of extra information, it's like, wow, wow, wow. So... Yeah, every bit of drop of information is just that extra bit of ease of knowing that U equals U. 
This campaign really reduces stigma, in part, I think, because it brings together HIV-positive and HIV-negative people into the information campaign, which clearly is the best way to combat HIV because you need both parties you know, to talk, to basically reduce HIV transmission. That's what this campaign does. Absolutely. And it's very much in the same context of how queer people relied on on straight people for the marriage equality campaign. We needed those straight people to help us get that that across the line. Same with black fella rights in this country. Like, at the end of the day, there's a lot more white fellas in this country than us. So we need white fellas to jump on board of our campaign and help us fix the continent so it's the same science here you know the hiv sector needs hiv negative people to jump on board and support them what reactions have you got from the indigenous community i imagine some people might have approached you and said thank you i'm not scared of hiv like i was before i saw you admittedly it's been pretty quiet really surprisingly so early days that's it it's early days it's early days i guess it's just a byproduct of that hesitation because hiv is caught up with so much fear and so many people are so scared to talk about about the virus, about the effects it has on people. I think it's everybody's fear, really. So, yeah, I guess it's that fear. And, you know, I was really nervous to jump on board with the campaign myself. So, and it took me a little while to really be comfortable to talk about these things in the public space. So it makes sense that my social media, you know, and people approaching me has been in dribs and drabs. It's not, it hasn't been like a big wave, but, you know, I do get a few, a few queries here and there, which, which is really great. So it sounds like in order for you to give yourself the green light to get involved in this campaign, you really need to overcome your own fears of HIV. How did you do that? For me, yeah, it's really funny. I grew up in, you know, outback Queensland and, you know, out there we're about, like I said in the video before, we're about 20 years behind the rest of Australia when it comes to anything political, let alone progressive. So I grew up with, you know, in my head that HIV and gay people went hand in hand. And, you know, if you're gay, you'd get AIDS and then die. That was just the life that you were going to live. And so after I left there, thankfully. I moved to the city and started living this gorgeous queer life and met all these beautiful queer people. And it wasn't until ages later, I realized that I'd actually met HIV positive people and it didn't have any effect on my life. There were these gorgeous, lovely, happy, beautiful people who showed me the utmost love and respect. And and my culture teaches that if someone treats you that way, you should teach, you know, it should be mutual. So yeah, it took a, quite a bit of unlearning from my own upbringing and the the stigma around HIV. I really had to battle against that for a few years. And before you know it, here I am. It's interesting, isn't it? Because so many people have a fear of HIV, but in the gay community in particular, they probably have sex with HIV positive people all the time. They just don't know it. This campaign really, I think, does a lot for encouraging people to disclose as well if they feel that they're not going to be discriminated against. And you do that so beautifully in the clip. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It's And you're right. That's it. I most likely have had sex with HIV positive people and, and not known. You know, personally, I'm HIV negative and I, I still am to this day. Um, but, that you know, that's all to do with you equals you, believe it or not. Wow. Tell us about some of the other people involved in, in, in this campaign, like, you know, some of the other people that feature on YouTube and well, their she, stories. Yeah, uh, there's there's Abby. She's really great. Today is International uh, International Day for Women Living with HIV. I believe yep. that is... The day for I know today it's is the today. day. Yes. Um so shout out to Abby who is absolutely gorgeous. And all our sisters at Positive Women, they love this show. I know a few of them are probably listening. Oh bless. Shout out to all you beautiful women over there. So we had Abby, which was really great just to hear a female perspective on on living with HIV because it's so pigeonholed to being 
I guess, inner city urban white men that HIV affects. And so, yeah, to get that little, that breadth of who it affects, because in reality, HIV affects every single human. You know, anyone can catch it. So it's it's about really showing everybody that is affected that you are reflected in within this campaign. So there's also Mark, who is this gorgeous, gorgeous brown man who I've known from the Cutie Pop Cutie Pies. Uh, he comes along to Cocoa Butter Club a fair bit. He's just super duper fabulous. And we've got, uh, there's Ed, who he is a longtime HIV survivor. So it's really fantastic to see somebody who's been living with HIV for so long, really endorsing this message as well. So you get this really great breadth of, I guess, diversity when it comes to the representation of people on the campaign. Davey, thank you so much for joining us on 3CR. You've got a beautiful energy about you. I can tell why they picked you for the campaign. Oh, Just give us a it. plug. How can people access it? You know, where can they, where can they, what should they type into their search engine? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say go to theinstituteofmany.org. Uh, they will redirect you to all of the places where you can find more information on the campaign as well as U equals U. And it's also a really great place to see all of those sexy, sexy videos in one spot. Thank you so much, Davey. Thank you. Davey Thompson talking about the U equals U campaign. It's 23 after 4. You are on In Your Face on 3CR. Here's everything but the girl. Thank you. 
Listening to 3CR Radio. And you're listening to In Your Face on 3CR with Yvette and James. And we have and a wonderful guest in the studio. He is an internationally acclaimed dancer, mm. choreographer, art maker, and Beyonce fan. Welcome to John Holmesy. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm I kind of giggling at that statement. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> flattered. And I'm so happy this is radio because like, I had to take my hat off and my hair is so greasy right now. So I'm very grateful. Sunscreen. Sunscreen in the hair. Like, oh no, my hair's just really oily. Like I don't. It's just. It is what it is. Now you had an image. It's up on the on the interwebs. What do they call it? These the interwebs, where you you've got blonde hair, and that I saw was that. like a appealing to a sort of a white kind of aesthetic. Yeah, I think I kind of imagine myself as like an anime character. I describe my aesthetic in my art practice and in my personality as if like Daria and Sailor Moon could somehow have a child, oh. like ever cynical but ever positive. 
um, and very anime. So the hair is constantly changing. But that blonde hair you're talking about, it was half blonde, half black to discuss kind of my biracial heritage between Syrian and Asian cultures. And people never could see I'm Asian. They're like, you have big eyes and your eyes are green. I was like, if I put a yin yang on my head, do you think I'm Asian? <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, but it was very effective. Because nice. <laughs> yeah. that intersection of, of the Cantonese part of your background yeah. and, and ritual that's mm. a huge part of your work. Tell us about why those intersections are so important to you. I think it's just my reference point of, I think we all have conditioning, whether it be negative or positive and whatever we go through. And especially in a queer dialogue, we have a very particular intersection of things we are referencing. And I think for me, I always have Eastern superstition and Eastern ritual. For example, it, this year's year of the dog and it's not good luck for me, year of the dragon. And so I had to go home for Christmas, be with my mom, go to the Buddhist temple and did all those things. And I always believed in it, but I always thought, I don't want to know what happens if I don't do it. So I'll just do it for the rest of my life. And that kind of, that kind of odd superstitions, I don't want to say odd, but I think they actually are odd, definitely apply to my art practice. Mm. So a little bit about your history. So you were born in Hong Kong. I was born in Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. And you were quite the child prodigy looking at your your career background. So at the age of 16, you were doing some amazing stuff. Yeah. So I'm originally a commercial dancer. And so I come from like the dance crew scene of America. So I'm from San Diego, which is where Culture Shock started, which was one of the first major hip hop crews internationally i can uh, hear southern california in your accent. yeah you can hear it now mm. you can hear the green smoothie just come out of my voice i'm in trader <laughs> joe's but yeah it's just, i was really grateful to have a career as a youth hip-hop dancer and i represented america at the world hip-hop championships um at came the age third of, in the u.s nationals i did i did at the mm. age of 15 and i actually just found that bronze medal when i was doing all my chinese new year cleanup but yeah i definitely through fortunate reasons ended up in melbourne and i ended up getting an academic practice which led me to have a more conceptual practice. But I think that's what Miss Red's all about. It's a very conceptual work, but we use commercial mediums so it can actually be digestible. Mm. Could we talk about Miss Red for a minute? Yeah. So for, the audio, for, for our listeners, it's actually spelled MX dot red but it's pronounced it's pronounced misread because to me especially in in the australian queer community gender theory gets really misread um and i didn't want to make a serious work about gender theory because we want to convert the unconverted i want to convert you know joe bloke who drinks the vb can about gender theory if i do it through a serious monologue they're probably not going to happen but if i do it through a fictional character which is a pop star from the future beyond you know race and gender i think they'll actually come Yes, could we talk about Miss Red's uh, lack thereof gender or being non-binary I think, and their race as yeah. well? Um, I actually had a really good friend, Shannon Mae Powell. She was talking about with me yesterday about dismantling the mantle with tools that they've mastered. I, she had a really good way to say it, but it's dismantling those gender tools – I just totally lost my track. I got so excited about that quote. That's um, <laughs> that question again. Oh, oh, I'm curious about Miss Red's uh, being non-binary. Yes. Uh, yeah, and and how important is it that that the character is non-binary? I think um, let's go back. I think Miss Red's about queer utopian world. So if we had a queer utopian world, which we're all striving for, and I turn on MTV, what is that pop star? That pop star would be beyond the gender binary. That person would be on a spectrum. So the work discusses popular culture about that pop star being on the spectrum. So mm. there has to be a person that identifies as non-binary to me um, mm-hmm. because if we actually had a utopia where we all actually love each other for who we are and mm. didn't have labels, we all wouldn't have labels. We'd all just be people. Because you actually describe Miss Red as a queer utopian Pokemon. 
Yeah. yeah. So I just I use Queer Utopian Pokemon Go because Pokemon Go uses augmented reality and misread um at the Footscray Community Arts Center, we use live performance, motion capture data. So that's when we put on the special suits. And you wear we, a special suit. We wear a special suit and they have little tracking balls on it. And then it tracks us as data. And then I put mm-hmm. that data into the phone and then we made an app. So when you come to Footscray Community Arts Center, make sure you charge your phone um, when you bring a pair of headphones. And you can actually interact with Miss Red through this app. Wow. And there's some secret live performance surprises I don't want to give away. But you'll have to come March 23rd. It's one night only. You'll have to come that night to see Miss Red live with the data. Very futuristic. So is this an app that people so. can that can access now? Yeah, they it won't. It's, it's GPS located, so you can download it, but you won't be able to do anything yet. So it will be on the iTunes and the Android stores the week of the show. And you mm-hmm. just go to your Apple Store, Android Store, type Miss Red, mm-hmm. and you will see Miss Red there, and just download Miss Red. Now, Miss Red, in regards to we're talking about gender, uh, Miss Red's race. I think for me, a utopian world, we would go. I think we'd still have cultural heritage, but I didn't want to associate a particular ethnicity mm-hmm. to that. So I feel like in a utopian world, we would, again, we all love each other for exactly who we are. And to me, as much as I'm a bit of a yogi, I believe we're all just kind of one sentient being, you what know, together. A yogi? yogi, I just do lots of yoga. Oh, <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm not. I'm and not. that connects to the chakra points because, of course, your production vessel was all about experimenting to open up chakra points. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really fascinated by Eastern ritual and um, I just was really interested by chakras and also... It was what about, are they for our listeners who don't chakra. know? It's um, an energy point. So it's similar to like chi. So they're kind of like intangible energy points and they're associated to certain areas of the body. The show you're talking about, I did in 2015. I did seven shows. Each show was a different dance show and each show pro- approached a different chakra. So that was definitely a wow. huge... Feet, but I think. Did you open them, by the way? Did it work? It did work. It was very (laughs) successful. But I think for me, after that show, I realized um, I didn't want everything to be free because it was still a ticketed show. You have to sit. I can only seat so much. And also for me, I'm a very anxious Capricorn. So looking at the ticketing reports every day, going, are people coming? Are people coming? But with Miss Red, it is an app. It is fully free and it's fully accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, There's tactile elements for low vision. There's also Auslan and there's also. Um, wheelchair access across the entire exhibition. If I have it in a formal theater, the formalities of theater don't let me do that and negotiate that. But having mm. it as open reign across the entire venue of Footscray, thank you so much, Footscray Community Arts Center, for letting me do 14 installations across the entire space. Mm. Um, but again, that means we can have more access and it could be free. So as much as I loved Vessel and it was a really rewarding experience energetically, it made me realize I want to convert the unconverted. I want them to come. Because the mm. people who came were other people who really knew what... I was doing, and as same as you guys on the radio, we're really passionate about converting the non-converted. We do want to support our own community, but we want to raise other people's awareness as well. So that really mass consumable art, I'm really interested in. Mm. Now I have to ask you about Miss Red Whackin' Ball. Yeah, so I'm a whacker, and everyone's like, "Do you whack alone? Do you whack at home?" <laughs> What's a whacker? Um, a whacking um, is a queer disco form started in Los Angeles in the clubs. Um, 1970s, so you would see it on Soul Train. There's little moments of it in Flashdance. Um, yeah, so because <laughs> of the gas, <gasps> you just said Soul Train, and I went, yeah. oh, God. and it's very like accelerated <laughs> arm movements. Um, I describe it as like Voguing's cousin. So Voguing happened in the clubs in New York 
in ballroom culture in the early 80s. Whacking happened in the late 70s in Los Angeles. So there are some similarities. Voguing's much more placed, and it's about being two-dimensional, about being the magazine. Whacking's more like a silent movie. It's 3D. We use very circular movements to do that. And we have four workshops for you to do that. Two are advanced with Junku Sasaki, who is the head of Tokyo Female Whackers, and she runs the balls in Japan, and is one of the heads of All Asia Whacking Festival. Mm-hmm. She's so abs- poetic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I practice. And then we have two free workshops, which are Auslan Interpreted and Wheelchair Accessible, and it's about posing to empower the queer body, because I want everybody to feel sexy, and mm-hmm. what feels beautiful to them is going to you know, so be specific it, to them. Everyone can partake. Everyone can partake. The workshops on the 19th and 21st are free. But please book because we are selling out of those classes, so please register. But they are free classes because who doesn't want free stuff? Well, yeah, true. Yeah, totally. We should point out the spelling of Wacken. It's it's W double A. C-K-I-N apostrophe. So they're actually, Whackin. it's a very specific thing. If you want to do some little Googling, Kumari Suraj, S-U-R-A-J. She's a queer advocate based in Portland, Oregon. She has an amazing six-minute whacking video, which explains all of the history of whacking and how the HIV epidemic affected the whacking community and why it's spelled that way. Because it was originally W-H, but everyone thought it was like whacking someone off or to whack right. one off um, in the sexual innuendo. So they put the du- double A just to remove that. Right, well, it's not spelled that way. Yeah. Are yeah. there any any um, artists, Wacken artists, that our listeners would know? Um, the fr- one that they mainly might know is Pangina Heels. She's actually one of the judges on Drag Race Thailand. Um, so I, there isn't English subtitles yet on Drag Race Thailand. If someone's out there and get some English subtitles for that show, hook us up, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's one of the judges um, on Drag Race Thailand. So if you've seen her there, you've seen some whacking. I have to ask you, just speaking of us, people do very much know, you work with Kelly Clarkson. What was she like? Oh, so I actually opened, I worked for an artist called Jamie Lee, and we opened the tour for Kelly Clarkson. So I didn't work with Kelly Clarkson directly, but it was part of You're her You were on writing. the same stage. Yes, she was at moments oh, wow. later. Yes, we were, we were all on there at the same stage. It's so weird cause to me. That's actually like a lifetime ago. Really? Like I'm so invested in my conceptual practice that like that commercial life of like, Oh gosh, 14 years ago actually seems like another person. Yeah, but you started very young. I did start yeah, very you're young. You're saying 14 years ago, but you know, you're still young now. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. turning 30 this year. No mm. pressure, Johnny, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been awesome talking to you. Now, if people want to rock along to Miss Red, give us those details again. Yeah, so you just need to head to fola.com.au as we're part of the Festival of Live Art. Festival of Live Art is from the 13th of the 25th to March. And my work is called Miss Red at Footscray Community Arts Centre. March 23rd, 7 to 11 p.m., and you're going to have a best free disco party. Now, before you leave us, we were talking about this is a Destiny's Child thing happening here. And you here. picked you're a track. Like, well, I yeah. walked in and I was, I was like, oh, maybe I want some disco. But then I saw Bootylicious there and I was like, that okay. Stevie Nicks look is so good. Can you lead us out with some Bootylicious Okay, tracks? cool. Yeah, so I think we've got it lined up here. So, yeah. And after that, I don't know, disco. If you want a disco track, I'll play something. I am definitely want to play You Make Me Feel Mighty Real by Sylvester. If that like can that. magically right, appear, it. let's manifest it. Let's right. manifest it. And I'm manifesting you to get there March 23rd, Fitzgerald Community Arts Center. We'll do. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you guys so much. All the best. Well, I believe this is. Is this the track? That is. I wish you could see my booty shake right now. All right.
Takes you somewhere, doesn't it? Destiny's <laughs> Child there, bootylicious. It is mm. six to five. You're on In Your Face on 3CR with Yvette James and, and John, John Holmes. He was having so much fun in the studio. We said stick we, around for yeah. a couple of minutes. I'm hearing queer. I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and we're going to go back to the quote that you were trying to remember before. Yes. So, upon discussion, I think you mean the Audre Lorde quote, which is the, Yes, the could you say that quote? You were much more eloquent well, than the me Master's on that The Master's House one. will dismantle the Master's Tools. And I think that's why I wanted to use Pokemon Go, because that is kind of a Master's Tools of mass consumer you know, on mass engaging with something. So I was mm. like, can we dismantle this society that we want to dismantle in a, I don't want to say a pacifist way, in a way that isn't too aggressive mm-hmm. to activate people and shift awareness. And I hope this app will do that. Mm. Yeah, perfect. Wow. I'm glad we kept you. Now, and I found the track as well. Oh, because you have picked another track for us. It is actually a queer anthem from 1979, I believe. It's Sylvester and Marty Real. Why do you love that track so much? I think for me, because Whacking is about embodying the music and embodying all the texture of the lyrics and the way that Sylvester gets in those runs. It's like, mm. I can't sing, but it's like, there's like this j- certain texture to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it has like viscosity. It like, I wish you could see it on radio. Good I'm like word. moving in between yeah. my fingers and it way you can undulate your body to all those different like mm-hmm. runs. It's just really sexy. And he did yeah. that in the clip, didn't he? Mm. He had the fans, yeah, the hands, you know, mm. and he was kind of taking the energy somewhere with it. And you feel it like as those choruses like escalate, like so should your movement. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right, well, this is Sylvester. Would you make me feel murder real?
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.